Welcome to Journaling with Nature, the podcast for those who want to turn curiosity into wonder, a pencil sketch into a rabbit hole of discovery, a moment of stillness into a life full of joy. I'm your host, Bethan Burton. Let's open the pages of our nature journals and explore this world together. Hello, this is episode 12. I'm very excited to share this interview with you today. My guest is John Muir Laws, or Jack as he's known. He's been journaling for decades and is an artist, naturalist and nature journaling mentor. He's written many books on the subject and I've heard him described more than once as the king of nature journaling. I was deeply moved by the conversation. We literally laughed and cried and wandered through a landscape of topics that touched on the human heart, depression, gratitude, and how nature journaling can save the world. It's a long conversation, so grab a cuppa and maybe a tissue and join us for this chat. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It's, it's an honour to, to chat with you. You're such a huge part of this, this whole thing and have been my idol for a long time. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, I'm, I'm just, I feel really lucky to be a part of this growing community that is filled with uh, intention, creativity, curiosity, um, stewardship. There's just so much good stuff going on and I, I i feel the same way i feel really lucky to be connecting that with this, this 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 growing community and as as we're doing it we're we're inventing it and that's yes, really yes. fun too yeah and do you feel like it's growing a lot lately it just seems to be booming at the moment oh, it it is it's absolutely taking off uh, mm. and part of that may just be the trajectory of of what was going on, you know, you reach a critical mass and people mm. are talking to people. Um, we got, uh, uh, Emily Ligren and I wrote the book that gets the journaling into the hands of teachers and teachers are incredible influencers, homeschool mm. families adopting it in exactly the same way. And then COVID happened. Yes. Yes. It's changed everything, hasn't it? That's right. And so you're looking for something to do outside away from groups and um, that can bring you some peace and some calm. What do you know? We've got nature journaling. Got <laughs> That's right. Uh, may I recommend some nature journaling for you? Um, you, you get your, your journal out into your hands and, and it just invites all of these discoveries and adventures and there's no way I would see that stuff if I wasn't journaling. Yes. So preparing for this interview was a bit difficult for me because you've got such a huge body of work out there. You've talked about your history. You've talked about how you got into nature journaling. You've talked, you've explored every aspect of your journaling process in the multitude of videos that you that you've created and put out there just so generously to the to the world. I normally begin an interview by asking about someone's early nature experiences. And you've explored this as well in in the various things that you've put out. You did an amazing interview with Tanya Marion on the podcast Tala Terra and it's it's a great exploration of your history and just how you got into it, the the moments 
the pivotal moments that got you into that. And I will link that in the show notes for this episode because it's really worth listening to. But I'd love to pick up from there. And one of the things you explored in in Talatera was how there was a couple of people in your life, important mentors and facilitators of your nature journaling, your mum who brought you your first nature journaling kit after you were enthralled watching someone nature journal on a, on a botany field trip, and your grandmother who was your constant supporter and just so keen to see your work and support you. And now you're doing the same thing for your two daughters. You're giving them this amazing chance to, to explore nature and just giving them every opportunity to, to be part of nature and nature journaling. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, the importance of mentors, on how we can do this for each other, how we can be like your mother and give that gift of nature journaling to someone else by being a mentor. Yeah, I think that her her gift to me started with just the act of attention. And attention attention is love. Sustained compassionate attention when when you give that to another person. Um, it completely changes you and your relationship with the with with the other and she saw me she paid real attention it wasn't that jack was just out of the way kind of following this woman around of the field who had a had a journal she said like what's what's going on here and mm-hmm. she she noticed that kind of sea change in my focus and behavior and she figured out what she needed to do to then foster the next step mm. in me and it's interesting that i now teach teach people the skills of attention and my process started with with her An her active attention, attention. Mm. um there have been there have been several kind of key people um my dad my dad was a bird watcher and originally, when I got started bird watching, I wasn't really interested in watching birds. Um, I my my dad was having heart trouble, and okay. we needed to get him out for walks and exercise. And and you know, you say like, Dad, you want to go for a walk? And he go, No. <laughs> and um, if you said, Hey, Dad, you want to go bird watching? He go, Yes, let's go, okay. let's go birding. And so it was kind of a a backdoor way of getting dad to go walk around. And so um, I I went out with him a few times and it was, it was, it was cool. And, uh, but then there was, there was one day the two of us drove up to Point Reyes National Seashore, which is North of San Francisco. And there is a place there called Five Brooks Pond. And we took a walk around Five Brooks Pond. And, at one point, he said, Jack, let me show you something. And he he went over to a, a bush, a, a, a willow bush by the side of the pond there. It was a very thick thicket. And he started going like this. He went... He started making this little pishy noise. And as he did, this little, this minuscule fairy of a bird comes dancing out of the bush in front of him and as he continues to make the noise the 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 feathers part on the head of this thing and these red feathers erupt out of the head of this green bird 
and it was maybe two or three feet from my face and we were just we were just frozen still he's making this noise and this bird gets closer and closer and closer and it was like my dad is dr doolittle right <laughs> and and i was amazed by the bird and i was amazed by him and like and then he said okay um now 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 you do it and he had had me pish pish and 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 the bird the bird keeps dancing around in the bushes and then finally it leaves and he says now you find it and he puts the bird book in my hand and we go through the bird book and it we end up kind of boiled down to a couple of birds and I'm dyslexic, so I don't really, I look at the pictures and I don't read the text. Yeah. And he says, okay, read what it says, read what it says. And so I start working my way through the, the, the words. And it describes one of them as this sort of sedentary, slow-moving, sort of steady bird. And the other as this hyperactive, constantly <laughs> flitting, and I'm like, that's it, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> you know? and, and so here's this ruby-crowned kinglet. Wow. And, and I, I got it got it it's like oh this is what we're doing yes. and from that point on i was mm. all in and from i don't really remember the first part of that hike but i remember every bird we bumped mm. into in the second part of the hike post mm. this bird invested. and yeah that this bird was my 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 key mm. and 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 on the way home he uh, he started quizzing me about the birds we'd seen and everything we had seen after that point i i came up with this like detail like it's this 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 and we'd be seeing birds you know on the wire going by like that's a scrub jay i can tell because it's got the tail posture and all these sorts of things and so um so then what he did is is this the same sort of thing it's like it's like okay something's going on here with jack so it's like then he'd say like do you want to go bird watching and i go yes yes let's go and so we would we'd blast out together and then i remember the day uh we'd been out bird watching and we went to there's a place called the audubon canyon ranch which was a bird sanctuary and they had a little gift store there and i remember he bought me my first binoculars and it wasn't just that he gave me a gift he told me i earned it oh yeah and i was i was so proud and 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 i got it and so that was just you know sort of the, the just the right little things just at the yes. right times Yes. Um, he, um, I, I then adopted his bird books and I would bring them to bed with me. Oh, wow. And, um, study them at night. Study them at night with my little flashlight mm-hmm. underneath mm-hmm. The, the, the sheets. I've got the, I got a, the, the, the golden guide to, to birds of North America. <laughs> and then, um, same, same store on another, another trip, um, I, he saw me kind of looking through, um, looking through the, uh, the the field guides in the this store, and he came up to me and said, "What do you notice, son?" And I, I said, "Look, Dad, this one is trees, and this one is 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 bugs. Like you can do this with everything." And, and he <laughs> and he said, "That's right, son. 
Um, uh-huh. All you have to do is pay attention. I said, you can do this with everything. And uh, so we, 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 we came home. We had a wonderful day exploring around. And uh, You're beautiful. That that night when I went to bed, there was a pile of, of all the field guides on um the, the, on on my bed by my pillow. Wow! With a little flashlight. Oh. That is so touching. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, so nature was, um, in, in, in addition to kind of a portal to the infinite beauty and wonder of the world, mm-hmm. um, it was a way to, to connect with those those two really uh, beautiful people in my life and it brought me closer mm-hmm. to them and um it, it, it brought me it brought us closer and it sounds like they they sound like amazing people hearing the stories about them just it's really touching and they sound like really amazing people in general and amazing parents but um it sounds like they were really like you say, paying attention to you, paying, being attentive to what you need at what time. Like that your dad just didn't get everything and throw it at you in the beginning. He, you, you went out and you built something together and he was waiting for that moment when you earned the binoculars and at just the right time he, he gave them to you and at just the right time it seems like their own personal acts of attention to you is what... Yeah. And it's, it's it's not that they got me stuff. It's not about stuff. Yes, yes. It's it's about that. It's it's about being seen. Yeah, it's being about seen. being seen, mm. and um, and then that helped me to see. Mm. Oh my goodness! And isn't that what we all want in life is to be seen? And I've got goosebumps right now because. That has always been something for me that was really important that um, and it's not that I wanted to be in the spotlight, you know you but it, it just that one on one being yeah. seen by someone, that deep connection that you can make when you're attentive to someone and someone's attentive back to you is like it's it it's it's what we all need and want in life and it's amazing that you receive that from your parents and it's also amazing Jack that you do that for other people and I know you do it for your daughters and your family but you do it for your community as well and there's some amazing examples of that and I think you should be so proud as a human being to be not only paying attention to the world in the way that you do to nature it's amazing and teaching people how to do that but you also pay attention to your wider community and that is amazing. You did a recent workshop and um, the workshop was called Gratitude, Nature, Depression, Healing and Growth. And this, this workshop that you did, it was a, um, a Zoom call with the community and 
I can't tell you how much it moved me. I, I watched it and I, I was completely lost in it. And I came away from watching that video and I was I was in floods of tears because it wasn't, you know, you sit down to watch a nature journaling video and you don't expect that, but I was just completely moved. And the thing that especially, it was beautiful that everyone talked about what they did just so openly about depression and about vulnerability and all that stuff. But there was one story and it was by Ivea Moore and she, she talked about how she was having some really, really heavy duty um difficulties at home and she went to one of your workshops and she just found something she found she found you but she found the community and as she she had to leave the the workshop early and she talked about how you just stopped and you waved at her and she said you were still teaching but you took that moment to acknowledge her to say goodbye and that kept her coming back she said that was the hook that was the thing that moved her and it it's that thing that you do that you just give you're just such a giving person and you give sustained attention to the people in your community and that's an amazing trait for a human being and I think that's why everyone keeps coming back to you because you're just a gentle amazing human being and I just want to say right now, just thank you for that because that's oh. an amazing quality. Oh, um, I feel I feel really blessed and lucky to be part of of this this community, and I'm I'm not perfect as a as as a nature journaler or as as an attentive person, um, but I am trying to be intentional. I'm 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 trying to be. And, and my hope is that through that practice, the more that that happens, that more that you know, I, I teach my, my, my girls that the behaviors that we, we have become our habits and then our habits mm -hmm. become our character. Um, and so I'm, 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 I'm hoping to be on that trajectory. Um, that, that conversation um, that you, you described that, um, I, 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 I never know where those discussions are going to go um, on, on these are these, these, these Wednesday forums mm. where we have a bunch of educators that get together and we start with a topic and we begin to discuss it and then it goes somewhere. Yes. And, and that the, one really went somewhere, didn't that it? That one, when, when that ended, I, 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 I just, I sat there in my chair going, Oh, my, my goodness. And I, and I called up a number of the people who are on it and, and mm. said, is, is it all right with you? Because mm. people had shared so yes in, in such a raw, visceral, visceral yes. way. And people were talking about things that, you know, culturally, at least in the United States, are just taboo to talk about. Everybody yes. pretends that we don't have depression. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and, and people were um, honest and, and vulnerable. And um, people yeah. gave me their permission to very generously to to, to mm -hmm. share that as a video. Um, and I've actually gone back and I haven't watched any of the other ones, but I've gone back mm -hmm. and watched that mm -hmm. one because like mm -hmm. you know something happened there that was yes that was, it was magic. What was good? 
That was a, it, it was a, it was a beautiful I came day. Out, after watching it, I came out and I was just in floods of tears and I just sort of had to stand in the kitchen, like hold the bench for a little while because I was calming down from the, from the rawness, but also this insight that Ivea had that um, little acts, yeah. little acts yeah. of attention, like that wave that you gave, those little acts, they add up and they are just completely life-changing. And for her, your wave was completely life-changing. And the the insight that she had that we can do this for each other everywhere, yes. all through our lives, every day. Like just little things make a huge difference to people's lives. And and that's a whole nother way of relating and moving through the world. And, and that's what I came away from that video was that just those little little acts of attention for each other are huge, can be huge, depending on what someone's going through at that point in their lives. Yes. And what's, what's interesting is that how most of the time we don't know when, when we do one of those things that, that does make a difference. Yes. And yes. what was beautiful that Avea did is she said, like, you know, you, you may not know it, but this happened yeah. and that made a difference to me. Um, and what a motivator is that is to, to, to continue, continue the work of, of, of compassion and attention. Mm. Mm. And that was a really beautiful thing for her to share. Mm. Yeah. So that, um, that video was really significant for me not only because it was just incredibly touching but because my start in nature journaling was because I was going through some heavy duty illness and depression and anxiety and it was just my life boy at this time in my life when I was really in a bad place and going out into my backyard I couldn't go far I was really ill but I could go into the backyard and I had these family of crows that was building a nest and I would watch it. And just my afternoons out there with my nature journal and with nature was just completely what I needed. It just settled me. It settled my nervous system. So this idea that nature journaling, not, I mean, everyone nature journals for different reasons and there's scientific reasons and there's, you know, there's all these other reasons. But for me, self-care is, is a huge one for the, like a huge reason why. I nature journal. So I love that you're opening that up, that you're opening up that there's other reasons. There's internal reasons that you might want a nature journal. That, that, that's right. Yeah, that you can be, you can sort of nurture your inner scientist. Yes. Um, but when I go out and, and, and journal, I the way I feel is, is different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I want uh, somebody to start um, putting, you know, some uh, electrodes on the heads of some nature journalers and sending them out. And, um, it'd be fascinating to just sort of look at what happens with our, you know, brain rhythms and things as we kind of get out there and we get into these flow states. And mm. if I am grumpy, my, my dear wife, Sabelle will often say, um, honey, you might want to just take your journal and go for a walk. <laughs> and, um, That's beautiful. That's a, that. And you know what that is? Even her saying that, it's an act of attention to you, isn't it? That it she is. knows you, she sees you, she knows what you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, res that's, it's respecting me and respecting the, the, the processes that she, she sees really work yeah. for me. Mm. 
I love that. Um, you, so you have these three prompts, nature journaling prompts. I notice, I wonder, it reminds me of, and it, they come up all the time and you use them to prompt people to begin a nature journal page. And um, in one of the sections in your book, you ask us to turn these inside and say, I notice that I'm feeling grumpy today. I wonder why I'm feeling grumpy. It reminds me of that time when I was grumpy at da-da-da-da. And, uh, you know, that that idea that we can turn these, like, well-worn prompts internally. I love that. I love for you to talk a little about that. Absolutely. That sort of brilliant insight um, comes from Emily Ligren. Um, we were, were teaching together, and I was teaching people this. I notice, I wonder, it reminds me of, and she came along on the, the the class that I was I was doing and I knew that she did poetry things and I was wondering mm-hmm. if if she might um, do a little poetry workshop with the the participants in my group and what she did was was another one of these aha and mm-hmm. then sort of like, of course, moments for yep. me. It was just absolutely brilliant. What she did is she had everybody look out and do I notice I wonder it reminds me of with the natural world around them. And we wrote down things and we took, uh, you know, attended to those. And then she had us take, do the same thing. You take those three prompts and you turn them inward. And what do you notice about <laughs> yourself? Um, what does that make you wonder about? What do you connect with that? Uh, where do you go with that? And what's you know sometimes if we're just you know being a, a nature observer we may kind of get the illusion that we are somehow as a, 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 a some scientific objective thing making observations about crows but we're in the system too and we're yeah. being affected by it and we're affecting it and and how to, to be able to take that tool and turn it inward mm, it's powerful was too, it was incredibly it? powerful um, you can use those same prompts with really anything that you're looking at. Um, you can do it with a book you're reading. Uh, you can do it about a relationship that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do it with a squirrel that is, that is outside the, the, the window. And in all of those cases, it will help you kind of get to, 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 to deeper levels. You want mm-hmm. to focus your attention you want to intentionally harness your curiosity and get that part of your, like, hmm, what's up with that? Um, bit of your brain activated and engaged. Your brain will work better when you get curious. And then the third part, being intentional about being a connector, finding relationships between things and looking for those. And very often, if you're not looking for them, you don't see some things that, you know, yes. really are low hanging fruit that are happening right in front of you that you, you're like, Oh, of course. Once, once, once you intentionally do it, like, like, oh yeah, there's there are these there are these very clear connections of things that I'm seeing happening here. But those won't, uh, those won't automatically come to you, unless you might try. Just uh, it reminds me of, and then you can go, and that can be an experience that you've had, something that you've read, um, something that you you learned in school. Um, or just this looks like this in this way, mm. you want to, if, if you intentionally go there, you can start to make those connections. And that, that I believe, is the, the root of creative thinking and creativity being your ability to make 
useful connections between seemingly unrelated things. Mm. If so, you you can practice that useful connections between seemingly unrelated things, and you go like, what? How do I? What can I connect this to? What can I connect this to? And the more you train that, the more you'll yes. the more you'll be able to do it. Yes. Ah, so interesting. Sometimes I ask people, and I'm so interested to hear your thoughts on this. Sometimes I ask people, do you nature journal from the head or the heart? Some people straight away say head. I'm, I'm all about the head. Other people say totally all about the heart. And I'm wondering what you think of when, you, when I ask you this question, whether you nature journal from the head or the heart. I would say it depends. Um, so I'm going to give you a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to straddle the fence. Good. Um, when, when I go exploring, when I go walking down a trail, my search pattern is for wonder and beauty. Mm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking for just the little things in the environment around me that make me go, oh, or things that make me go, oh. and so whether I'm you know, inhaling. <gasps> I or, love that, that distinction. <laughs> right? Or exhaling. Yeah. Huh, right? um, yeah, that's the, awesome. <laughs> you know, are, are, am I going to in, inhale it or exhale this, 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 this mushroom that has, is, is growing there? And, um, but, but one way or another, there, you're, you're, you're connecting with it. And, and sometimes the, the, the root is, is intellectual. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. This is weird. And I get in there and I analyze it. And, I have a real, I have a lot of fun doing that. Like I'm going to make a yes. diagram that's going to break this down and then I, I'm going <laughs> to come up with an alternate hypothesis of like, well, that could have been because of this, but what if this? Um, and then something that Fiona has added to my game is this idea of, you know, you come up with your question and then you want to find the question behind the question because the yes. more you do that, the more interesting they get. And um, the uh, she has this lovely uh, saying that the the, the more... Um, interested you are, the more um, interesting the world becomes. Yes, I love this quote. It's amazing. It's it's brilliant, and it's 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 dead right. It's absolutely mm. right. And so, you, if you intentionally um, kind of follow this little curiosity path, you'll you'll find something that it's a mystery and it's weird, and you are amazed by it, and all your intellectual faculties are just kind of coming into play and grinding on it, and it's you you end up spending the whole day just geeking out on this thing. Yes, but. And the other um, search pattern that I have is for beauty. And mm. here is a completely non-intellectual angle um, mm. and way of connecting with things. And what I'll do is I will just like that, you know, for instance, where I'm sitting right now, um, the sunlight is coming through the, the, the window in front of me. And I, I haven't, you know, taken out the spider webs that grow on the uh, that are on my windowsill and there is light that is glistening and gleaming in these and mm. in the one that's a uh, to my my right is a little it's an orb web and there is this on on one i, I would say it's about maybe between four and five o'clock there is this iridescent sheen going down through those strands and they're glowing like little rainbow jewels. Wow. And it's beautiful. And it's just over there in this little spider web. And to my left, the angles are different. It's a tangle web 
but there are little parts that once I notice this iridescence over here, mm -hmm. I'm now picking up these little kind of little places where it just kind of goes gleam, 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 gleam. And so the other one is like this dancing little sparkles over here. And then this one is like a, the one to my right is this, this stripe of, of iridescent color. And it's absolutely beautiful. And then behind that, there are backlit leaves. Um, what... Um, there's, I have a friend, a naturalist named Kevin Beals, and, and Kevin came up with this idea of the beauty break. And he'll be walking down a trail with a bunch of kids, and he'll say, all right, beauty break. And what everybody has to do is, is, is just at that moment, you look around and you find in some direction just something big or small that you can see from that spot that is beautiful. Wow! Isn't that great? It's a beauty break. A beauty break. That so he takes takes gorgeous. a beauty break, and everybody like you, you're walking. Oh, you can do this with your family. So I, I sort of brought this into our our, our 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 family routines. We're walking down a trail somewhere, and you're going boop to boop to boop to. You're passing all these different things, and anywhere you stop, you can go beauty break, right? That's and amazing. and then when you what's what's amazing about it is that when you do that, yeah, you realize that at that moment you are surrounded by mm. beauty, mm. and that whole time you were surrounded by beauty but until you took the beauty break and what you do is is you 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 in the beauty break you point out your beauty to somebody else and they point out their beauty to you so everybody's just sharing the beauties and like okay my here, here's my beauty this is my beauty all right this is my little mini beauty all right yeah. and sometimes they're big beauties sometimes they're little micro beauties and um but you take a beauty break I am going to use that with Isn't my boy that great? that's amazing it's I love it's brilliant it. so um Kevin Beals um, he's part of the, the Beatles team at the Lawrence Hall of Science. He's been doing environmental education for years and years. He's also somebody that teaches both head and heart mm -hmm. um, and, and, and a beautiful person. Mm, that is amazing. Yeah, I love that so much. The beauty much. break. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so my search image, I'm looking for wonder and beauty. And yeah. so you're going along and the, the journal page is, is just this, this homage to, mm. to whatever – you have found that has is 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 pulling at your heart. Mm. I love that, and it came up in the video we talked about earlier about gratitude and depression, and that the act of journaling itself can be almost like a prayer. I'm not religious, but I feel that inside me that that putting this much attention, this much focus on something, and acknowledging beauty. And, and feeling that gratitude, that it is in itself what I imagine to be a prayer, you know. Mm -hmm. And it comes up in uh, Mary Oliver's poems too, that I don't know what a prayer is, but I do know how to pay mm -hmm. attention. Or, or, and, or the prayers that are made out of grass. Mm, yes. Right? Yes. And it, I, again, I'll check. I've got goosebumps again. Yeah, it's just um, that, that, going back again to that, that paying attention. It's just, it's an act of love and in loving something, in loving the world in this way that it, it's an offering of gratitude in itself. Mm -hmm. So you can oh think of it, um, if, 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 and, and if, um, if, if ling religious language doesn't work for you, if that does, you know, the, the journal page can be absolutely is, is a, is a prayer mm. of connection and mm. gratitude, um, and, 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 and wonder and and awe um an offering to the world 
from your your most direct and and, and intimate and honest self. Um, mm-hmm. If that language isn't one that that connects with you, it's you can think of it of, of a song of gratitude. Yes. Um, a song of of celebration of connection of 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 wonder, and when you when you nature journal with the in and and you reflect on it as as an as an act of gratitude mm. that also will change the way you think about whatever you're observing yes the yeah just a little bit of intentional gratitude and you walk away a happier person yeah. a more um and you feel more connected to whatever aspect of the world you have been exploring. Mm. Journaling is such an intimate, intimate process. Mm. And then if, if you take that and you are, are giving thanks for that, you're acknowledging how you are moved and changed and connected to whatever it is that is in front of you. You're, you're, you're seeing more, I think, more accurately and more and, and really embracing uh, more of the true nature of your relationship with the rest of the world, which is mm. connection. Uh, we have this illusion of, of being isolated yes. from, from, from everything. And sometimes that, that's at the heart of what drives our depression yes. is that separation and isolation. But the, the nature of reality of the world is connections and relationships. Everything is connected and relationships. And, and when you are, are, are grateful, you are, you're also acknowledging part of that connection and, and relationship with the rest of the world. Yeah, I really believe that. And I, I feel it in myself when I go out, I've had this, I've had this experience where I'll sit in my sit spot and I'll deliberately pay attention to like one sense at a time and I'll notice what I see and then I'll notice what I hear and notice what I'll smell, just really intentionally going sense by sense. And then I have often had this feeling that the heart, that my heart is a sense organ. And it's hard to explain and I've tried to explain it and I've never had the words to explain what this is like but I I'll do my senses I'll go through all the senses and then I just have this heart that's feels so big and so open that I can place it on any on anything like my sit spot is beside a pond and I can and it's got I've got pine trees there and it's like I can place my heart on something like I can place it on the pine trees or the pine cones that are just growing now and I feel it. It's like a sense organ and I can pay attention to the heart. And when I'm doing that, when I'm focusing on the heart and feeling my way through the world, it changes the way I am interacting and connecting with people in every situation. So that, that moment by the pond in my sit spot or with the journal it totally changes the way I am moving through the world. And again, it's that what we were talking about, about that everything's connected, that 
that we aren't separate. We're not separate from nature. We are interacting with it. We are part of it. And we are not like people alone. We are in this huge network in the world. And again, like a small act of generosity or kindness out in the world affects the, it, it affects the network. And, and when I'm focused on my heart as a sense organ, that changes the, it changes the network because I interact with someone and they interact with someone and they interact with someone in the world, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> to be intentional about trying to feel relationship and feel connection, that, that sounds like an absolutely beautiful exercise. I want to try that myself. And, we'll, and the next time I get myself out to a little quiet, little moment in nature, I want to experiment with that. I think that that sounds that sounds really uh, like a, an interesting an interesting bridge to get your brain to start to feel and think in in a different way. And I wonder what that would open my my mind and my heart to connecting with. Mm. I really believe that nature journaling changes a person and it changes the world. Because we, because well, it's it's like this thing that we're doing, going inside, checking in, feeling, being calm. It, it it does. It changed my life, and I know that it changes other people's lives. But I really believe that it changes the world in that we we cause ripples in the world, and when we love nature the way we do, it changes the way we act in terms of like pro-environmental behavior. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I know you have talked about that before, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the act of falling in love with nature makes us interact with the world in a different way. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually the heart of why I do the work that I do. Mm. As an environmental educator, I spent all this time trying to figure out how to help people connect with the natural world, how to how to fall in love with the world and and how can you motivate people to be a, a steward of the planet mm. and the urgency for people to develop that mindset i think is is great i think mm. it's never been greater it's i think it is vitally important that we all share a commitment to protecting and preserving as much of this, the, 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 the functioning of the systems of this planet um, as we can for the organisms that are here, for the generations that will come. Mm. And to, uh, there's, that can get us out of the a very sort of short-term gain yes. um, mindset. So how are, you going to, how are you going to instill that in somebody else? Am I going to tell you about all the things that are going wrong and why you're bad, that doesn't work. Um, how can I help somebody fall in love with the world to, to, to the point that they're motivated to be a steward? Mm. And that's, that's why um, I came up with that definition for love, the idea of love as sustained, compassionate attention. That definition, that working definition of, of love I intentionally developed because I was trying to, to, to solve this problem. You know, how do you make, you know, you're trying to make people fall in love with the world. Well, what exactly are you t um, talking about? What do you mean when you say love? Mm. 
Mm-mm. And so I believe that if we teach people how to pay attention and how to pay attention with with compassion, and that, that's where compassion came into it. Somebody pointed out to me before, my, my definition sort of became, you know, love is sustained attention. And they pointed out that, well, let's say your interrogator at Guantanamo Bay may be giving you sustained attention. Yes. Right? Okay, yes, good point. <laughs> but, honey, that ain't love. Um, and so uh, that's where sort of the, the sustained compassionate attention. And when you give that to a plant, your relationship to that plant changes forever. So um, I wanted to help people fall in love with the world. So I came up, that was my definition, sustained compassionate attention. And the more that you train yourself to pay attention, the better you get at paying attention. So Mm. what you're doing when you do that is you are training yourself to fall more deeply in love with the world. The more that you practice this, the more you fall in love with the firefly, with mm. the squirrel's tail, with the um, sky before dawn. Whatever it is that you are observing, you fall in love with that aspect of the world. And I see this profoundly in my own work. Um, when I started uh, some years ago, I guess it was 2001, I started working on a field guide to the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. And over the next six, seven years, I would, every moment that I had, I would go to the mountains and just hike and explore until I found a wildflower that I hadn't painted before. I would sit down next to it, key it out, make a careful painting of this. And it was fascinating. By the time you're, I I would be done painting a flower. My relationship with that individual flower would have deepened and become so rich that Mm. this flower was special to me. And I found myself as just part of my routine, not as like, you know, some show or something. There's nobody around. But I would, at the end of drawing the flower, I would I would fluff up the grasses where I was sitting so that you couldn't see that my bottom had been sitting there long <laughs> enough to, to draw a flower. And I would turn to the flower and I'd thank the flower. Wow. And I would thank mm-hmm. the valley that I was was standing in. And just these sort of spontaneous you know, oaths of, 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 of gratitude, I found those just sort of naturally, spontaneously coming out of me. I remember there was one day where it was really, really hot, and there was this flower that I wanted to draw, and it was out in the middle of the sun, and I went out and I picked the flower and brought it into the shade, and I drew mm-hmm. the flower. And the more that I drew it, the more the petals began mm. to droop till the time I was done, I was drawing a dead flower. And I also felt like something inside of mm. me was dying. It was, it was just so wrong that that when you, when you are, are paying that much close attention to something to have, to have uprooted it and, and to, to, to have picked it and, 
and after that, every other one, I would, I was drawing from life and, and alive. And I, I remember that picked flower. And, you know, pink, picked flowers are, are common. They're everywhere in my, my world. But, you know, there in the Sierra Nevada, I could not pick a flower. I couldn't pick a flower. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Although sometimes I, I would find myself dissecting a flower. It's, it's yes, very odd. Yeah. I could find myself <laughs> dissecting a flower, keying it out. Mm-hmm. But one that I would draw, I couldn't mm-hmm. pick that one because mm-hmm. there would be a relationship with that flower by the yes. time I was done. When I used to do, uh, when I, uh, when I when I teach people how to do nature journaling, I'm doing this with a bunch of, of kids. One of the really great successful activities that that I I use is this thing called the secret plant search. Mm-hmm. And when we play this game, what you do is you bring all the kids out into the middle of the woods somewhere, and you say, "All right, everybody, um, we're going to play this game with our journals. And what's going to happen is you're going to look around the area, and you're going to find a plant, an interesting plant, and I want you to draw and describe it, document it in your journal." as richly and vividly as you can and you want to get enough information on the page so that at the end of 15 minutes we're going to call you all together we're all going to meet back here and you're going to get a buddy you're going to bring your buddy out to where you were observing and show them your journal page and you win the game if they can pick out your journal by the notes which you've recorded and so it's the kids love this game adults love yes. this game it's really fun to play it's really fun to play and you can build a little bit of a safety net into it like if, if you have trouble finding it you know you can narrow down the area mm-hmm. um but it's it's a great game and what i see time and time again is a kid brings their buddy over to the place where they were drawing and the person's looking around trying to find this plant and you don't see it and they're about to step on the plant and you will see the kid who drew the picture just uh, yes. throw themselves in the way <laughs> of, of the, the way of the plant like no 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 you cannot step on this That's thing my plant. this Mm-mm. is because it is special when yep. you pay that much attention it stops being an it and it becomes a thou it is something mm-hmm. that is part of you and you're connected with you fall mm. a little bit in love with that plant um I tried this a few times, and the result was so extreme that I've, I've, I stopped doing it. Um, I would um, – there's another activity where I have everybody just choose a leaf, and everybody draws their leaf. And you want to draw it in enough uh, accuracy and information that we're going to take all the leaves from the group, put them in the middle of a circle, put all the journals around it in a circle, and then we play a matching game where you try to pick up a leaf from the center of the circle and say, this one goes with this journal, and this one, it goes with this journal over here. Really fun to play. So I've played with this with a uh, uh, group, and then as an experiment, this this was maybe a bad choice um i i as what i what i did is i took a different leaf and i put a, a, a there's a kind of red colored leaf that the, uh, the person had drawn it was it was an adult uh, who had drawn this leaf and i took another red leaf in my hand and i said can i see your leaf for a second i took her leaf and kind of palmed it and then took the leaf that i had and crumpled it up and so so if you crumple up a leaf like this and oh. immediately there was just silence in the group. <laughs> and the expression on this person's face 
told me like you know never you. do that you know you <laughs> you laws you have you have crossed the line you you don't you crumpled my leaf you crumpled my leaf and the person's like what are you doing what that was my leaf <laughs> right i'm so and then i and so fortunately <laughs> i had done it with this like surrogate leaf yeah um and and i don't do that anymore because the the response what my, i wanted to, to to make the point that if somebody were to do that you would be upset with them but yes. people were so shocked were and horrified <laughs> that I had crumpled up this leaf <laughs> that um, – and, 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 and if I picked up a different leaf and crumpled it, that would be okay. But what happens is after yes, that act yes. of attention, that, that mm-hmm. actually – you have a relationship with that yes. leaf. You've yep. bonded with a leaf, a leaf mm. through the process. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Emily and I did this – um, teacher training at one point where we uh, we had everybody, we did the same activity, people drew their leaves and all the teachers from that group, they then took they had these little conference name tags, they took their leaves and they put them into mm. their conference name tags and so the rest of the conference, you can see everybody who was around <laughs> in that workshop walking around with these leaves in yes. their conference name tags that was their leaf they had bonded yes. with that leaf and it's not there is no other leaf like this leaf and it's special mm-hmm. that is you've fallen in love with a little mm-hmm. piece of the world and every time you journal you are falling deeper and deeper in love with another little corner of this beautiful exquisite planet that we're on and that's what motivates us to do the work of stewardship we can fall in love to the point that it changes our behaviors where we start to make decisions and start to work together to protect, conserve, and preserve nature around us. And I've seen it in myself. I um, And I've talked to a number of other nature journalers about their experiences. I don't have any data on this, mm. but um, my subjective my subjective experience and you know as as a teacher and as a as a as a journaler is that this is it is this incredibly powerful doorway to learning to care about the world you start to pay enough attention to something and and it no longer you you can't you fall you make a connection you make a you that, can't stand by when something is degrading the world That's after right. you're, once you're in love with it. And I think you were saying like you can fall in love with an individual leaf, in fact, or you can, or an individual plant that you were sitting Abs- with in the absolutely. Sierra Nevada. Or it can be a species. Like I, I still remember the species that I studied for particular projects at university and I feel like connected to those right. ones or, or even the ruby-crowned kinglet that you were talking about. I um I have my own experience with that bird. I, d- I have never seen it, but I was commissioned to do some um, interpretive signs for a rain garden in Oregon, and and they gave me some species to 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 draw. And one of them was the ruby crowned kinglet. And and I've never seen it. I can't wait to see see it in real life. But when you talked about it just before, your experience of this amazing th- thing with your father, I was like, oh. That's it's my bird. I, that's my friend. It's yeah. my bird. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's it's something that I, I I heard, um, and I think it's interesting. It'd be interesting to find out if this is true. That at the United States has a 
prison at Guantanamo Bay, where we have taken people for interrogation and, and what has turned into sort of a lifelong confinement. And they found that as, a, as an interrogator would begin to work with somebody over a period of time, a relationship developed. Mm. And that the interrogators were no longer willing to do the sort of dehumanizing and degrading things that they were willing to do at the start of that relationship as that person began to change from an object into a person. And so the government would then switch out the <laughs> interrogator so that they could have somebody and, and that as that, that perhaps finding connection and relationship, you know, this is, this is what we need to keep us, to allow us as, as a species to treat each other with dignity and respect so much of you know uh in the united states we are in this incredibly polarized time mm. where people who have different political leanings have stopped talking to each other mm. and so we're able to in our heads turn the other person into an enemy into a fool into a monster and instead of instead of a person and one of the most powerful things that we can do to break that down is to start to get out of our little silos and to interact with other people to give our attention our sustained compassionate attention yes it comes back to, to that doesn't it? yes to other people including people who we disagree with mm -hmm. And perhaps especially to people who we disagree with. And the possibility there is that through that act, not that we will change them, but that I might change. Mm -hmm. And if I'm willing to change, then we've got hope. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not that, you know, I'm going to try to force you to see my worldview, but Maybe I can, can I get myself where I treat you in a way, again, with respect and, and, and dignity, and perhaps we can still disagree with each other, but through interacting with you, through attention, you are no longer an it. Yes, yes, that's it. It's humanizing. And we, your example of Guantanamo Bay reminded me of something that happened here, which is that the conservative government in Australia is really, really focused on like protecting borders and not having refugees arrive uh, on boats into Australia. And to me, this is a horrific policy that you would, and we do the same thing. We lock up people who have come here and and they spend they can spend years in in detention just for the act of fleeing their country that where they were in danger and there's a lot of people who have fear around this about refugees and and some people say we don't we don't want them we want to block uh, the borders and there was this uh, i think it was a tv show that um, took people who had this really strong view about 
stopping the boats and and excluding refugees and they put them on a boat and they put them in the situation where you are in the middle of the sea on a rickety boat with your family and the the boat is overcrowded and and they put them in this situation with that refugees ha- have been in fleeing their war-torn countries or a dangerous situation in a boat in the sea and and this experience of of taking those people who have um, those strong views against refugees coming here and putting them into that that situation it it completely changes the view it it humanizes that experience and it completely changes the person's view and yeah. and it the outcome of that was that the participants in this completely flipped and said oh wow that that experience is horrific and and we we can't exclude you mm. um but That's it's the same thing it's about humanizing someone else's experience it's easy to say uh you're going to come here and change my country in whatever way or but when you realize that's a human being that human being has family and feelings and trauma and it's a powerful thing to walk in someone else's shoes and yeah again sustained compassionate attention to mm-hmm. someone else's experience it it does it changes the world that's it is attention um i think attention is yeah the most powerful thing that we can do to connect us with with other people in in an authentic way mm-hmm. um it also is what we need to do to heal ourselves. Um, the work of stewardship is can be traumatic, can be really, really hard. When yeah. you see places and things that you love going up in flames. Mm, literally in a lot of cases. Yes. And it is heartbreaking. Mm. And one of the most powerful things that we can do in those times is to to return to nature but with a tool that allows us to connect on our deepest level and i believe that the the journal is that tool it mm. it allows you to look out and it allows you to look in yes yes and so for people who i've done um a lot of, 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 of free programs for stewardship councils and, um, and uh, Sierra Conservancy and, and other organizations that are working to protect and preserve wild places. And because for those people who are work, doing the work to um, protect and preserve, sometimes, again, that is just how do you, how do you keep going? Yes. You need to regularly reconnect yourself with mm. what is beautiful and wonderful in this world you need to reconnect with nature and that gives you the the strength to continue on yes. and it also gives you the motivation to continue with the work yeah that's powerful mm. You've done a lot, a lot of teaching people how to nature journal, how to how to connect 
in this way. And now you're moving into a new phase. You've written, you've published a book, How to Teach Nature Journaling, co-authored with Emily Ligren. She's and wonderful. She's amazing, isn't she? I'm looking forward to interviewing her for the podcast too. <laughs> um, I'm interested in this new phase. Now you're teaching the teachers and you're, you've got this amazing educators forum that you, that you do each week and you bring all the educators together to discuss. And I'd love to hear about this new development, moving towards teaching the educators that are going to take this powerful knowledge and then spread it in their own way through their own networks. Teachers are the force multipliers, right? You, know, you, you uh, do a workshop with an individual, that's wonderful. But you, you hit work with a teacher, that person is then going to be carrying it on. Mm -hmm. For the same reason, um, I'm helping other people. Um, uh, something that I think is wonderful about something like Wild Wonder is that it gives a, um, a forum for a lot of really amazing nature journaling teachers to get seen and and heard and get an audience. Um, so on my website, I've created a, a page where anybody who's a nature journaling educator in any state, in any country, um, you can let me know and I will put a link to you and your sites and services on my website. Um, anybody who starts a nature journal club we can put a link to your nature journal club on my website so people can go to an interactive map, find what's near them or go like, there's nothing near me. I guess I can start one. I can help you start yes. one. And then, so the more that all of us are, are, are doing this, you know, we have, we have a movement. Yes. Um, it really is a movement now, isn't it? It is. It, it is. Um, and, and working with, and so empowering teachers and those are, um, both classroom teachers, homeschool teachers, yes, and parents, parents and mm. and people who are leading workshops, drawing workshops, mm. nature connection workshops. Um, the more that I help these people effectively use nature journaling as a tool and help people find them, then this this movement grows more and more. Mm. What you did with International Nature Journaling Week, absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. You motivated so many people. Um, I was thrilled about that. It just took off in a way that I wasn't expecting. I, I, I had this idea and I thought, okay, yeah, let's do that. And I contacted a friend and she was really like pivotal in like helping me get the courage to go forward and, and helping me with that. But she, but it just took off in an amazing way. I was, I was thrilled. And, and it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't done the work. And so what it, what it takes is, um, you know, the idea that, you know, you know, little me over here is going to start this, <laughs> this international movement, you know, that's, that's audacious. And so, and wonderful and brilliant and important. And I'm really glad you did it. And so part of what, what I see as, as my role um, these days is to, I want to try to connect as many people as I can with other people who are doing these sorts of things, giving the people who are doing these sorts of things, you know, mm. ways of, of, of networking. It's um, another reason why we have the Nature Journal Club. It helps yes. all these people sort of find each other and have the conversations and, and to build those, those relationships. So yeah, we're doing a lot to help people who are teaching on any level mm -hmm. and also not leaving out all the people who are just doing this because, you know what, I want to learn how to nature journal. 
Yes, yes. I mean, the book is in itself its own teacher. So you don't, you can do the exercises in the book with yourself or you can use them to to lead a class or or teach your children. That's right. When the book was coming out, this amazing thing happened, which was that your networks started making these videos of themselves at the moment when they received the book in the mail and the videos were of them. <laughs> they were incredible to watch these people um, filming themselves going to the letterbox and tearing open the book and just the excitement, the wild joy from receiving what you and Emily have created. How did that make you feel seeing these videos? Oh, it was it was just so absolutely <laughs> validating. It cracked me up. It was they were yeah. hilarious, yeah, and and goofy, <laughs> shamelessly goofy, yeah, and and that I, I love that energy. Um, you know, people who can kind of embrace their own. Um, their own nature journal geek and yes <laughs> and just get you know authentically goofy with it that was it was beautiful and um it also just sort of made me think about the you know the raw creativity in this group of makers Mm-mm. um yeah, these these the the people who are doing this we are we're they're they're, they're not just they're not, we're not passive consumers you're, we're, we're makers, we are engaged, we are um, creating art, connection, and you saw the same thing happen even when they opened a package in the mail. Like, how are we going to open a package? <laughs> How's a maker going to open a package? Well, we, we got to find out. <laughs> it was, yeah. That was, that was beautiful. It was, um, it, it was also just in, incredibly sweet. Um, the, that for people to take that time mm. and, and, and to, to, to help us celebrate. And it, it spoke to me not only of the joy and excitement that they had about the book arriving, but it spoke to me of your relationship to them or their relationship to you, you know, like this, this community that you've built and you've built it on incredible generosity and it comes back to you because yeah. you give so much and it comes back and I'm interested to talk about this too because you your way of working in the world is totally different from most other things in that you just give hours and hours of your time each week to giving free workshops you've got hours of free videos on online your your website is a absolute treasure trove of free resources and you just endlessly give you're just a giver jag and (laughs) and in a world i mean we're living in a world where it's all about the sales funnel and everyone's doing you know trying to make a dollar and 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 people are like hooking you into uh, webinars that are supposedly free but then are aimed to sell you something but you don't work like this you you your way of working is just to give and give and give and i'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because I can see that you're building something incredibly beautiful and incredibly strong and the connections that you receive back from so much giving are really beautiful and valuable as well. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about this way of working where you're just giving but Mm -hmm. you're receiving as well. Yes. Um, I remember when I first was getting 
started in illustration and I had um, I had drawn a picture of a peregrine falcon that was used in Bay Nature magazine. And some Audubon group um, some Audubon group contacted me and they, they said, we'd love to use that drawing that you did of, of the peregrine falcon um, for this, this, this project that we're doing. And I had read all those same things that you're talking about, about how, like, you know, you've got a, you know, and... Sales funnel in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I didn't really understand it, but I thought that that was what I was supposed to do, so I thought I wasn't supposed to do this. And I didn't share my Peregrine Falcon. Mm. And I've regretted it ever since. Mm. And... Um, it was very shortly after that that I realized, like, like why didn't I share mm. that peregrine falcon, right? And so, you know, if people from the Audubon Society who contacted me then, I now have other <laughs> peregrine falcons you can use. So, um, yeah, I it, it just felt wrong. That whole interaction, like, felt like it was mm. like, you know, what are you gonna give me? You know, like, well, yes. maybe that's not enough. Like, I'm supposed to, like, you know, I don't know. And it, it was it was just the wrong energy, and it didn't it wouldn't feel like me. And so the next time somebody asked me for something, I said, "Yeah, sure, here, here, I'll make another one for you." <laughs> so, you want one that's purple? I can do purple. Um, and the 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 more it's interesting, the more that I have taken this approach of just sort of um, saying yes and generosity and sort of making things um and also making things painlessly available so like you don't in order to get some of these things you don't have to feel like you're coming and asking me like you know could mm -hmm. I, I i please you can just go to the website and you can download it um the more that i have taken that approach the more i feel it just feels right to me Yes. Um, I like doing nice things for people. <laughs> it's, it's mm -hmm. fun. And, um, so, you know, on, on my website, you know, it's, I've, I've got at the note at the top of my, my store that says like, if there's something that you need that, that you can't afford, you know, please contact me and, and we'll, we'll, we'll work out mm -hmm. something that works. And sometimes people will say like, you know, I, I really can't afford that. And so then we say, what do you, I can say, what do you need? And then we can send them what they need. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like sometimes people, when I, when I, when I do public lectures and things, I'll have books for sale. And I'll mm -hmm. also, what I'll, what I'll do is I will let people know, because people don't like, to, it, it, it puts people in a really awkward situation if you have to come up to me and in person say, you know, can I please take one of these for free? Mm -hmm. Right. That, that that puts people in a in a really awkward situation. So what I do is I just you know let let people know like let's say you don't have money with me you know um, money with you right now. Well, please just you know take what you need and then um, send me a check when you are able to. And if you are not able to, then um, just and you're able to pay me at some point in the future. That's great. And if not, I'm going to find some act of kindness that you can do an act of kindness that you can pay forward in the world that you otherwise wouldn't have done because somebody gave you a book. That's beautiful. And then just go make make art with a book. And I've, I've gotten some 
amazing letters. And it says, you know, like five years ago, you gave me this book. And oh, wow. um, here's what I did. Here's, here's, here's what I did. And that motivated me to do this. And there's some amazing stories. And mm. I mean, that's so much better than getting 25 bucks for a book. And half of that I don't see anyway, because, you know, the margin on, on selling books is not yes. very big. Um, yes. And this person just did an act of beauty and kindness that yeah. they otherwise might not have done. That's, yes. That rocks. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> so, you know, from, from things in my store to, to, to free downloads, um, to, to, to workshops of people who need to go to, want to go to a, a workshop and they can't afford it, we can, we can, we can work, work something out for them. And well, you've made the whole book free online as a PDF download for whoever oh, yeah. wants it and needs it. And and that is just a hugely generous act in itself. I mean, lots of people would be saying, oh, I've just written this book. I have to mm -hmm. make the money from it. But you're just giving it. And and that's for people who can't afford it or, or want it in their hands straight away. And That's right. And that's because your motivation is disseminating this beautiful message and... Yeah, our, and I think it's I think it's wonderful. My publisher was a little bit fr frightened about <laughs> that, on that possibility, <laughs> um, and then when we we were like, no, like we wrote into our contract that we want to give this book oh, wow. away for free, and, <laughs> and then we get to that point and we're like, okay, and now we get to give it away for free, right? And they're like, did you have to do some work to convince them? Um, no, the, the the publisher was. I mean, they're 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 beautiful people, community minded, but. You know, yes. they also they're running a business, and that's a scary thing. Yeah. And they hadn't done that before, and they said, "Well, this is what we said we do. We're we're, we're going to do this, All right? Let's 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 do it." And they they dove in and they supported us, and then the book ended up just blowing up for them, doing great anyway. Because, yeah. and I think a lot of it was because uh, you know a lot of people are looking yeah. at that free version, and then they're sharing it with friends, and then teachers all over the place are using that, and then eventually they're saying, you know. We could print this thing out and have a black and white version that we then, you know, put together with a big binder clip, or maybe we'll get mm -hmm. the book. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think at the the end of the day, if you could just look at it from some sort of raw marketing point of view, it was a good marketing move. Mm -hmm. But the reason mm -hmm. which we did it was because that book needed to get into the hands of people, and also that was right when COVID hit. Mm. And a bunch of people's their their income then is unstable and unknown, and so let's get this book out to people all around the world, and let's start nature journaling. So um, mad props to Heyday Books for <laughs> for kind of going with our crazy scheme here. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> I love it. And but, but and also here's here's an, a, another thing that this this idea of generosity and and kindness it 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 goes both ways, you know. This year, I have been doing. Yeah, I've been doing a bunch of free online workshops every week. Every Tuesday, we have this Ask Jack session where we kind of do. You know, what did we do this 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 week? We did how to draw the wood duck and the crazy feathers on the back of the wood duck, and then we had a teacher forum. Um, on Wednesday, where we get together with with the teachers, we start talking, and who knows where we're going to go. But yes. it is those are wonderful kind of you know town hall discussion of relevant topics, and we get into really beautiful beautiful th topics. Um, 
And then we just on uh, um, then Thursday, um, I have a, a workshop where I have to prepare a lot more stuff for it, but that's also free. Um, so every week, teaching three um, three classes that are scheduled for an hour and usually end up being an hour and a half because I don't know when to. <laughs> I'm not good at time management, um, but um, the community. I, I let people know that if it's possible to make a donation to support me, it yes. makes a big difference to, to, to me and my family. Mm-hmm. And people were amazingly generous. And, and so then that makes it um, completely financially feasible. The, financially, all those people with lots of little donations, little donations, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they make it completely economically viable for me to keep playing this way and keep doing this. And it's a way of it's a way of taking care of each other, isn't it? Because the people who don't have the resources aren't required to give anything and the people who do have the resources and find it valuable can support you but also support right. the others by by making And and there are some people with lots of resources who made mm. really you know mm. um, donations that just amazed me and my family. I pull my wife and say, "Like, mm. look at what she did." Mm. I mean, oh my! I mean, it's just, so just it. It makes me feel, um, like I am embedded in a community of people mm. making voluntary decisions to mm. support each other in any way that they can, and then that also allows me to then turn around and. Um, I have actually, I've got uh, two packages by my door of art supplies and journaling supplies for families that can't afford them. And I'm sending those out to, 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 to folks who need a little bit of extra support. And it allows this sort of this, the, the traditional model of work and I charge, charge you. Mm. Um, I, I don't like it. I don't feel yes. comfortable with it. This approach seems to have so many more possibilities and allows for a possibility of kind of a best case scenario where people who mm. um, are able to, you know, there are some people who are real patrons mm. and support me doing this. And there's also some people who really need more support, and I'm then able to distribute mm-hmm. those things. Um, I, I feel like, and it makes me feel like I'm in a community. I feel like I have authentic connections, and I'm grateful for both the the people who um, help fund me, and I'm grateful for the people who I serve. And I think you should understand that it's the the sustained compassionate attention that you give your community that, you know, we were talking about how if you have a connection with a particular plant or a particular species that you are bonded to it. And it's it's the connection that you make with your generosity, with your giving, with your just your acts of kindness that bond people to you. And so you are making these amazing strong bonds just by uh, a friend of mine whose name is Amy Kirkbright. She's in Melbourne. 
she wanted to start a nature journal club and you said, I'll help you. And you said, here's my personal phone number. And she had a conversation with you on your mobile phone about how you can support her to make a nature journal club. And she's done it. And she's done, she's doing amazing things. She, they uh, have been in lock, lockdown in Melbourne and she's doing it on Zoom, but she's doing amazing things. And just that act that you did, it was so meaningful to say, I'll help you. I'll personally take an hour or however long it was out of my day to help you start your nature journal club because you're valuable. It, those acts that you that you create, those acts that you give, bond the community to you. And so, it's not random. It's it's you. You're you're giving so much, and you're receiving back what you deserve from the community in terms of like commitment to you and this and this community because of what you give. So, well, and I, also be doing this work is changing me. It's changing me. It's changing my priorities. The more that I do this, the more that I want to do this, the more that I'm able to do this. And that is, 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 is beautiful. This conversation has just been so touching. I was really excited to speak with you because of who you are and because I have so much deep respect for you. And you've brought tears to my eyes you've given me goosebumps it's been an amazing exploration i didn't want to cover too much ground that's already been covered because you because you have so much out there but i feel like it 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 went straight to my heart and i hope it goes to the hearts of others so thank you so much for being here bethan i'm just delighted to have this chance to to talk to you you un, unpacked some things that i haven't thought about and talked about in a while and it was uh, really, really good to, to go there. And I'm also just so grateful for what you are bringing to the nature journaling community with International Nature Journaling Week and uh, the way that you are um, connecting with other um, nature journalers. It is, it, it, is, it is beautiful and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and for what you're doing. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> I hope this conversation was meaningful for you. I was touched by the depths of openness and compassion that Jack brought to this podcast episode as he brings to everything he does. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to look for the show notes of this episode where I'll link to Jack's website and the links to the videos and the other things we talked about today. See you next week. <laughs>